You guys ready to jump in the word today? We've been in the series, Divided We Fall, and we've been looking at the life of Solomon and learning from his life. We've been looking at 1 Kings chapter 10 and 1 Kings chapter 11, and we've learned that he was a leader of leaders. He literally had the attention of the world. He definitely is what we call today an influencer of his day. He was the wisest leader, not of his time. Listen, he was the wisest leader to ever live. There's never been anyone else like him, God said. The wisest leader to ever live, yet he suffered from a wayward heart. We learned last week and the week before that Solomon fell from godly wisdom to false worship. How in the world does this happen? To a man of God, a man God's chosen to lead a country, the government. He wandered from the word of God. He broke the laws of leadership listed in Deuteronomy 17. He ignored the wisdom of God. He compromised his love for God. His relationships turned his heart away from God. And he started worshiping false gods. We've learned a few key principles, what appeared to be success from a worldly perspective, because as we stand back and observe his, li his life, we understand that he had political power, seemed to have political power. He had women, he had sex, he had riches, but it actually opened his heart to ungodly access. And what was hidden, listen, in the divided places of Solomon's heart, was actually displayed on the high places of worship that he built for a thousand idols, elevated above God for everybody to see. How many know, I said last week, the heart is a terrible hiding place. And then we learned what an actual, maybe an idol looks like today. You know, it's not some golden calf or statue. Those are idols, but a lot of times it's the internal motives of our heart. This was the definition that we got from Timothy Keller's book, Counterfeit Gods. It is anything more important to you than God. Anything that absorbs your heart and, ima and imagination more than God. Anything you seek to give you what only God can give is an idol. We're going to pick up where we left off last week. I've just been kind of, I was actually going to try to wrap it up this message this week. And I just said, you know what? I can't. We're going to finish it next week. And so we're going to pick it up in verse 9 to 13. 1 Kings chapter 11 says, And the Lord was angry with Solomon because his heart had turned away from the Lord. Listen to this. The God of Israel who appeared to him twice. Let me say that again. And the Lord was angry with Solomon because his heart had turned away from the Lord. The God of Israel who appeared to him twice and had commanded him concerning this thing that he should not go after other gods, small g, but he did not keep what the Lord commanded. Verse 11, therefore the Lord said to Solomon, since this has been your practice and you have not kept my covenant and my statutes that I've commanded you, I will surely tear the kingdom from you and I will give it to your servant. 
Yet for the sake of David, your father, I will not do it in your days, but I will tear it out of the hand of your son. How you know our sins can go down? Come on, if we don't take care of stuff, come on, our sins can go down to the next generation. However, I will not tear away all the kingdom, but I will give one tribe to your son for the sake of David, my servant, and for the sake of Jerusalem that I have chosen. Has a leader in your life, I want you to think about this for a moment. Has a leader in your life ever disappointed you? Maybe you can relate. I'm guessing with a church this size and those that are watching online, I'm guessing that most of us have experienced situations where we were hurt by somebody of influence in our lives. Maybe we were upset, maybe even angry because somebody influential in our life, how many can relate to this? They overpromise and underdeliver. Or maybe we had high expectations they didn't meet. Or like Solomon, it's possible they could have just made a big mess of their life for everyone to see and affected everyone around them. The list goes on. We've all been disappointed and let down by influential people in our life, whether it's a pastor, whether it's maybe a mom, a dad, maybe a child, maybe a teacher, maybe a coach. We've all felt the disappointment of when leaders don't live up to our expectations. And the questions we find asking ourselves is, what happened? Where did it all go wrong? How did we get here? And when will I be able to trust again? Some of you are under the sound of my voice and you've just not been able to trust the leaders, the voices that God is bringing into your life. And he wants to heal you. He wants to touch you. So you can trust again. He wants to restore your confidence in the people that you look up to. I've had to ask myself those questions a time or two in my life when I was angry. Anybody ever been angry? (laughs) I've been disappointed. I've been displeased. I've been confused. But church, how do we keep someone else's divided heart from dividing us. I believe we have to dissect what I've titled my message today, the tragedy of a heart turned away. Leads me to my first point, an encounter with God, which I love, must be followed up with your obedience to God. Verse 9 and 10, And the Lord was angry with Solomon because his heart had turned away from the Lord, the God of Israel, who appeared to him twice. Think about that for a moment. The Lord made note of it. He said, the Lord was angry with Solomon because he appeared to him twice. You see, God's displeasure towards Solomon is similar to what we've all felt towards someone who didn't follow through. Whether it's a leader in your life, whether it's your spouse, a friend, a child, we've all experienced somebody letting us down. And here in this moment, here's Solomon, who God came face to face with in a dream. 
Two times. And that word anger actually means God was displeased. He wasn't happy. You see, God personally showed up in Solomon's life, but Solomon failed to follow up. How many know when God shows up, we've got to follow up? You see, your encounter with God, my encounter with God is only as good as our obedience that follows the encounter. The first encounter that Solomon had, he asked for wisdom and an insightful heart so he can govern the people and determine the difference between right and wrong, good and evil, justice and unfairness. And God is pleased and he not only gives him those things because he asked with a pure heart, he gave him all kinds of blessings in that. 1 Kings 3 14, where we see the first encounter, he says, And Solomon, if you walk in my ways, keeping my statutes and my commandments as your father David walked, then I will lengthen your days. How many just want to live a long time? He's got this promise of a long life. And then the second encounter, Solomon completes the temple, the construction of the temple and and his home. He's built one house for the Lord and one house for himself. And 1 Kings 9, 6 to 9, it came with, hey, Solomon, I need to make sure that you're tending your heart, that you're keeping guard over your heart. He says, if you turn aside from following me, 1 Kings 9, 6 to 9, if you turn aside from following me, you or your children, and do not keep my commandments and my statutes I have set before you, but go and serve other gods and worship them, then I will cut off Israel from the land that I have given them, and the house that I have consecrated for my name I will cast out of my sight, and Israel will become a proverb and a byword among all peoples. And this house will become a heap of ruins. That house you constructed, that house that you're taking pride in, it's going to become a heap of ruins. Everyone passing by will be astonished and will hiss and they will say, why has the Lord done thus to the land and to this house? How we know sometimes we can't blame the devil on everything. We've got to sometimes take responsibility for our own disobedience. And just be honest with people and stop pointing the finger at this person and that person or that situation and that circumstance. Sometimes we just got to own it. Then they will say, because they abandoned the Lord their God who brought their fathers out of the land of Egypt and laid hold on other gods, small g, and worshiped them and served them. Therefore, the Lord has brought all this disaster on them. Just a couple things I want to share out of this. An encounter with God. As much as I love a fresh encounter with God. We opened that this morning with that. We we want people to have a fresh experience with God. But listen, an encounter with God is not necessarily God's endorsement of everything that happens in your life following the encounter. Listen to me. It's how you follow after God that actually substantiates your encounter with God. As a pastor, one of the things that I love to witness and have been experienced, I know we can't all see it and celebrate it. Some of us are watching, some of us are not, some of us are coming, some of us are not, some of us are just waiting till this pandemic passes by. But can I just tell you, lives are being changed by the power and the glory of God at Real Life Church. And I love it 
Because when God takes broken people and he puts them back together again, it's for his glory. It will never get old seeing the power of God transform someone's life, someone's marriage, someone's destiny. You see, when someone gives their heart fully to Christ, which I pray, listen, that your heart is fully devoted to him this morning. Listen, when you give your heart fully to God and obey God, it's absolutely miraculous what he'll do. But it's not easy. How you know obedience is not easy? I want you to see what's happened in the life of a couple here, Devin and Megan's story. Hi, my life family. My name is Megan. We've been, um, my fiance and I, Devin, have been attending Real Life Church for just about three years now, since September of 2017. Right, and as she said, uh, my name is Devin, and we've been together for a total of six and a half years. We dated for uh, two and a half, and then we moved in for three years, and then um, I proposed. She said yes, and now so we decided to seek Pastor Damien for uh, marriage counseling, and he presented the, the challenge to us of... Um, moving out and basically uh, building our relationship with God uh, individually and, and having him present the best version of us for each other. Yeah, and God's been doing a lot since that time. We moved away from each other since um, November of last year. And like I said, God's just been doing a lot during that time. Um, my relationship with him is strengthened. I know personally for me, um, being able to seek him first um, and take all of my worries, take all of my troubles to him first versus my spouse, not that he can't handle it, but I know that it, for me, the way I think about it is being able to take it to God and then have a clearer path because I'm taking it to him because I'm, I'm saying the things I might not want to say. I'm giving the pain, giving the hurt to him. And it opens up a path for me and him. Um, I feel like for um, just me to see clear um, and come to him with really the best version of myself. That's great. And, and also the, what I kind of got out of it too was just like how she said too and you know just moving in together without having that that mm. full-on commitment uh, sometimes I would lean on on Megan when I could be taking that you know to God and and having him work on me to present the best version of me to her mm. and not only during that challenge just also um, with COVID coming around we moved out before COVID and we didn't expect yeah. for you know that to happen so we're still able to lean on each other and then having that come about um, could knock a lot of people off. Mm -hmm. And I think um, just walking with that, that blind faith in a way, just mm -hmm. knowing um, that we're, we're doing the right things mm -hmm. and, and it's not normal for everybody to do those things. Yeah. And also not being able to see the end, but knowing that Pastor Damien set like a very good path foundation for us mm -hmm. and going through all that and then having COVID come in. And now that we are a week away from the wedding, yeah. Uh, man, it's just like now it's like the finish line. It, it feels great knowing that mm -hmm. we took those steps mm -hmm. uh, before to, mm -hmm. to build a solid foundation yeah. and, uh, and come back in together. Yeah, and being able to have people in our life who helped us make a decision where we couldn't really see the end result at that time. We couldn't really feel the end result at that time. Um, like Devin said, just kind of going on blind faith, going on um, faith from a man of God, faith from um, our church family and family as well. And then now, like you said, almost just over a week away from the wedding, like we are so excited. Um, just 
being able to think about years from now what we're going to be able to share with our children, with other young adult couples, with other couples in general. Um, we're just so thankful. Um, Most definitely. And, and just to kind of piggyback off what you're saying also, just uh, having that, having that, like the foundation, of course, mm -hmm. but, but also um, having a man of God like Pastor Damien just, mm -hmm. just walk us through those through those tough times because it wasn't it, I know it smiles now but it wasn't always that easy yeah. back in January February because yeah. when we lived together it was it was always good you know bills are on time and yeah. you know we're attending church every Sunday yeah. you know if I sleep in a little later she's there to wake me up and vice versa but uh, moving out and and building that strength uh, individually mm -hmm. and finding way different ways to love each other um, without just rolling over and and just so just realizing that uh, really really um, gave us a boost in the right direction. Yeah, so we want to say thank you for letting us share our testimony with you. We hope that this brings you hope. We hope that it encourages you, and we love you, RLC fam. Love you guys. They were married just a couple of weeks ago. Come on, can we give God praise, somebody? Come on. Where's Megan at? I don't think Devin is here. Is Megan here? I want you to stand. Come on. Listen, I just want to admonish you. God spoke over this house that there was a holy boldness coming over this house here. And listen, I know when we hear big words like that, we think it's coming from the pulpit. Hallelujah. But I'm telling you, it's coming from the people. Thank you for taking a bold stand and saying yes and listening to a pastor who's speaking into your life and wants the best, listen, the best version of you, not a counterfeit. So thank you for being an example. Listen, I thank you for being an example to my daughter. Thank you for being an example to my son. Thank you. Thank you. Come on, we all should give God praise for that something. That takes guts. That takes guts. Because my second point, an encounter with God alone does not validate you as a Christian. It what happens in your life after the encounter that validates your Christianity. You see, an encounter with God does not validate you as a leader. Come on, we got folks, man, we are all enticed with people having dreams, with people having prophetic words every day, every night, dreaming angels every day. Every, we're enticed by that. But let me just tell you, listen, an experience without obedience is going to leave you bankrupt. An encounter with God does not validate you as a leader. And if you think I'm lying, just look at the checkered past of some leaders that have boasted about their visions with God and boasted about their dreams with God. And those things are all real. I don't discount any of those. I love those things. But listen, without obedience, listen, we're just whiffing it air. Listen, don't be so easily impressed with a leader's experience with God. Be impressed with their obedience to God. I'm so impressed this morning, Megan. Tell Devin, too. In other words, your encounter with God, a leader's encounter with God, should speak for itself. We look at Acts chapter 9. Saul persecuting the church, breathing threats to the disciples. Has an encounter on the road to Damascus, gets knocked down and is blinded by the glory of God. He's blinded for three days. He's led off and there's a man 
man of God, he's praying, and God says, hey, you know Saul? He said, you mean that guy that's persecuting every, all the Christians and all the believers? He said, yeah, that guy. He said, I need you to go pray for Saul. And Ananias was like, what you talking about, Lord? He said, I need you to go pray for Saul because he's my chosen instrument to, for the Gentiles, to reach the Gentiles. And so Ananias goes, he, lay, he lays hands on Paul, he gets his sight back, he gets baptized in water, and he's filled with the Holy Spirit. That was the encounter. But look at Acts chapter 9, verse 20 to 22, says this, and immediately, everybody say immediately. It says, and immediately he, talking about Saul, proclaimed Jesus in the synagogue saying he is the son of God and all who heard him were amazed and said is this not the man who made havoc in Jerusalem of those who called upon his name and he has he not come here for this purpose to bring them bound before the chief priests verse 22 but Saul increased all the more in strength and confounded the Jews who lived in Damascus by proving that Jesus was the Christ you see his obedience listen his obedience not his experience his obedience validated his experience at Damascus I had a powerful encounter when I was 18 years old. I was in Alexandria, Louisiana. I was struggling with alcohol addiction and I've told you that story. Word of knowledge, I was sitting in the very back of the church, pastor had a word of knowledge, D did not know me, I'd never met him, described my life to a T and, and, and lovingly said, there's a young man in here and the enemy has you chained. He's got you chained with one chain. And God wants to break that to your night, tonight. Walked all the way back, pulled me out in the aisle, and the power of God touched my life, set me free. But can I tell you how great that was? I'm telling you, I got my prayer language. I got baptized in the Holy Spirit. I was called in that moment. But it wasn't until a few weeks later. I started reading the Bible and understanding it. Isn't that funny how that happens? God like turned the Bible. He took the blinders off the word of God. And I remember I was, I was in my bedroom, my aunt's house, 6301 Masonic Drive, and I was sitting on the edge of the waterbed. <laughs> Y'all remember waterbeds? <laughs> what were they thinking, you know? <laughs> That's why I got back issues now, waterbeds, you know? I'm 18, I, I had just met the Lord at the end of my senior year, and I was struggling. My life was an up and down roller coaster mess. I've mentioned that to you a bunch of times. But this is the moment that everything changed for me. Sitting on the edge of the waterbed, the, had the velvet borders, you know, I was sitting on that corner. <laughs> and the Lord said, Dean, I want you to go to Bible school. I bind that in the name of Jesus. Uh -huh. <laughs> he actually had whispered something, a leader 
when I was first saved. I was only two weeks old in the Lord, and he said, I didn't know what he was talking about at the time because I was raised up in the Catholic Church. So when he told me, he said, man, you have a call of God on your life. I believe you're called to preach. All I could picture myself was in like a uh, priest, you know, I was like, nah, man, you got it all wrong, right? <laughs> I'll sit on the corner of the bed. Lord said, I want you to go to Bible college. I was living in Louisiana. My friend told me when I first got saved, you need to go to Genesis Discipleship Training Center. And when I was sitting on the corner, this is some six months later now, sitting on the corner of the waterbed, and the Holy Spirit whispers to me, Dean, you need to go to Discipleship Training Center, Genesis Discipleship Training Center. Within weeks, I packed up my stuff from my aunt's house, moved back to California, and enrolled in Bible college. And my life has never been the same. As powerful as the experience, and I needed the experience. I needed a fresh encounter. We have a generation that needs a fresh encounter with God. I'm not discounting the encounter, but listen, we can't just go from encounter to encounter to encounter. Listen, God did not wire us to live that way. He desires intimacy in our life, and intimacy comes through obedience to the supernatural experience. Leads me to my third point. An encounter with God alone won't keep you. It's putting into practice the things he told you to do that produce the promises that keep you. We have so many believers living for an encounter instead of, listen to me, living from the encounter. So many people, I remember I was a youth pastor, and this is back in the late 90s. Did anybody remember Pensacola? Pensacola, Florida, <clears throat> there was a revival breaking out and everybody was going, I mean, thousands upon thousands, I think maybe even million people went through Pensacola to encounter God. And it was an amazing, I remember just wanting to go so bad. I remember, oh, I want to go. Our whole staff was going, but I couldn't afford it. And I remember one time I was shaving. At that time, the Lord spoke to me a lot when I was shaving, I guess, because I was still, you know, I was making sure, you know, I didn't cut myself. And I remember I was shaving, and I remember the Lord said, Dean, I don't want you to chase revival. I want you to embrace revival. Again, I'm all about an experience with God. But if your experience doesn't lead to your obedience, you'll live your life chasing encounters instead of embracing God in your obedience. Verse 10, and had this talking about Solomon had, God had appeared to Solomon twice, and it says, and he had commanded him concerning this thing, everybody say this thing, that he should not go after other gods, small g, but he did not keep what the Lord commanded. Every one of us, how many know, has this thing? Anybody? Every one of us has a thing. Every one of us has this thing about us. It's called sin. It's called disobedience. Come on, how many know all have fallen and short of the glory of God, right? Come on, we believe that, right? That's part of, right, we're, we have a fallen nature. It's called doing things our own way. Can I ask you a question? What's the thing, this thing, the Lord asks you to do or not to do that you're ignoring? We used to 
this always used to get asked of us when I was, especially when I was younger, getting discipled. We'd be frustrated and upset with the Lord. Like, God's not doing anything in my life. And, you know, this is breaking down. And, like, I don't got no money. You know, we're just like, yeah, we're just trying to figure it out. We're like just a couple years old in the Lord. And I remember, like, our mentors, they would just say, well, what was the last thing God told you to do? What a concept, right? And then we tell them, and they say, well, have you done it? It's like, duh, no. Yeah, well, go do it. It's funny how sometimes we think breakthrough is so way out there when it's like right here sometimes. You see, some of you are frustrated in your relationship with God, and you're waiting for an experience, and God's waiting for your obedience. I love golf. I'm not good at all, (laughs) but I love golf. I have this, like, I love golf. I, I, I can't, I can't, I haven't been able to get good at this thing. It doesn't matter how many times I go out. And so, uh, about a month ago or so, me and my friend Marcus, we went out to Hagen Oaks and we're both about the same, which means we're really bad, you know? And so like, I'm pretty decent off the tee. It's my second shot that always kills me. So like, man, I like, all right, that's good. You know, that's where all the pressure is anyway and everybody's watching. So boom, this day, I don't know what happened. It was like I never played before. It was terrible. It was like, I'm serious, like eight, not, not one. Like I was like, it was going this way. It was going that way. I didn't hit one shot. And the same thing was for Mark. He's like, by the time we got to the eighth hole, I was like, bro, we had paid for 18 holes. I'm like, dude, and th- this doesn't usually happen to me, but I'm like, dude, let's go home. <laughs> dude, like, I'm like, dude, I don't know what happened. I don't know what I'm doing. You can't tell me because you stink. I can't tell you what you're doing because I stink. <clears throat> and so he's all, dude, he's all, let's play one more, bro. I'm like, dude, I don't know. He's all, let's play one more. We'll get a rain check. And I'm like, all right. <clears throat> so I grab my nine arm because it's a par three and I, it's right there at the ninth hole at, at Hagen Oaks, and, and, I got, and, and two guys drive up. <clears throat> I'm like, come on, man. I don't need, oh, it's been happening to me all day. Like, boom. I'm like, yes, finally. I hit the green within like six feet of the cup. The guys behind me are like, nice shot. I'm like, happens all the time. Yeah, <laughs> happens all the time. Marcus hits it, same thing, boom, hits the green, we're like, boom, we're like, let's quit while we're ahead, all right, we got a rain check, we really did, we got a rain check, I told him, I said, dude, I'm not playing again until I get lessons, I'm not playing again until I get lessons, so I've been going out the last several weeks, I've been getting lessons uh, from Dave Carr out there at at Tilbin, he's all, show me your stance, I'm like this, he's like, how's that feel to you? Uh, kind of like an old man. He's all, yeah, you look like an old man. He's all, straighten your back, put it, you know, hip, you know, uh, feet, hip wide, boom, boom, gives me just small little things. He's all, now try it. He's all, how'd that feel? I'm like, I've never felt that before. Sometimes, listen, it's just the little things. It was literally one of the biggest things that I had going wrong. I just had to pull my wrist over just a tiny bit, like less than two inches, just kind of move my wrist over just a tad. 
and it straightened out my entire shot. It's just the little things. Listen, the little things that God asks us to do. Listen, that straightens out our life. Leads me to my fourth point, and our worship team can come. When we allow our hearts to turn away, things begin to tear away. 1 Kings 11, 11 says, Therefore the Lord said to Solomon, since this, are you guys okay? Therefore the Lord said to Solomon, since this has been your practice, and you have not kept my covenant and my statutes that I have commanded you, I will surely tear the kingdom from you and will give it to your servant. Listen, we talk about our nation being divided all the time. And it's easy to blame everyone else. But ultimately, a divided nation can only be stopped by an undivided heart. And here's what we need to understand. What we practice is what we'll produce. Listen, what has been torn from you in your disobedience? Was it a career? Was it a relationship? Was it your children? Was it an opportunity? Was it your influence? I'm going to be wrapping up this series next week, and I'm going to be diving deeper into this statement. But listen, what, are you pra- what you're practicing is producing what you're harvesting. Did you hear what I said? What we're, and let me just say this. What we're practicing is producing, come on, the harvest that we're reaping. Leads me to my fifth and final point. Even in the midst of the tragedy of a heart turned away, and torn up. Jesus is revealed. Verse 13, however, I will not tear away all the kingdom. Everybody say mercy. Everybody say grace. Come on. However, I will not tear away all the kingdom, but I will give one tribe to your son for the sake of David, my servant, and for the sake of Jerusalem that I have chosen. You see, Solomon's disobedience And this is the history. I'm just going to give you the history real quick. Solomon's disobedience divides Israel into a northern and a southern kingdom. It's torn in two. And you can read this. We're not going to go to chapter 12, but you can read this in the following chapter. It's torn in two. Ten tribes from the northern northern kingdom are led by Jeroboam, his servant. And two tribes form the southern kingdom and are led by Solomon's son, Rehoboam. Or Rehoboam, that's how you say it. Remember how this story started, you guys? The Lord was angry with Solomon. And today, maybe you think the Lord is angry with you. Can I encourage you? This morning, God's not mad at you. He's mad about you. Remember what I told you last week? He's a jealous God. It's an attribute of actually who he is. Not an ungodly jealousy, but he yearns for your whole heart. 
This morning, Psalm 103, verse 8 says, The Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in steadfast love. The word steadfast means unwavering. God's not wavered at your disobedience. God's not wavered at your fear. He's not wavered at your doubt. He's unwavered. Why? Because he loves you. This is what I want you to see. Even in the tearing away, God revealed a way. The Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in steadfast love. Even when the kingdom was torn in two, listen, Jesus could be found in the threads. Even if your life is torn up this morning, Jesus could be found in the threads. <laughs> listen, you might not know about this, about the history, but those 10 tribes went north. And they turned away from God. But Judah and Simeon, they went south. And those two tribes, the remnant, that small tribe of Judah, that's the family line that Christ would come from. And this is what I want to tell you this morning. In other words, come on, that tribe. Listen, God said, you know what? Even though you messed up, even though you were disobedient, I'm going to show up in the tear. I'm going to show up where you've been torn down. Whatever. I'm going to show up right there. And this is what I want to say. Jesus will triumph in your tearing. And Christ can come from what's been torn up. He can come from what's been torn up in your life.